0: Welcome back to another episode of Questions with Crocker. We are going ahead. We are, during the day, trying to podcast at home with our children here. So it might be a complete disaster, but you've been sick. We haven't been able to do it for a couple days, so we're trying to catch up and get a couple episodes done. How are you feeling now?
1: Good. There's a good chance that we're going to have to stop this 47 times.
0: (laughs) The dog already reacted to the FedEx truck once. Uh, He's... Very uh, protective of those trucks. And so we luckily hadn't started yet, but we'll see what happens.
1: And he just threw up. So
0: he did just throw up. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's the grease that he uh, licked a little bit of last night, which did you know the concern would be pancreatitis? Uh, the high fat and the gross. I don't know what
1: pancreatitis is, so no.
0: (laughs) Okay. So quick medical info. The pancreas sits by the stomach and the liver. And uh, if you eat something really fatty or if dogs eat like people food and they're not supposed to, it gets angry. And when it gets angry because it's right by the stomach, it will actually cause dogs to vomit, uh, a large percentage of dogs, or they won't feel good and they won't eat well. So I'm honestly hoping that's the issue because that's just like a medical fix that I can treat, uh, probably outpatient here at home. However, if it's that he ate something, which he also has a tendency to do, then he looks so innocent right now. But that could be something that is a lot more serious overall. So we'll see. Hopefully we can treat it medically and we're okay.
1: There's really no telling.
0: So don't let your dogs eat people food, fatty food, or lick up grease because pancreatitis (laughs) can be really serious. That is our take-home message, medical message of the day. Uh, Speaking of things we want you to know about, uh, we are an emergency veterinarian, practice owner. You're not
1: an emergency veterinarian.
0: I am Dr. Crocker, an emergency veterinarian. You are my husband, Shane, and you're an entrepreneur. We own a general practice together, and we do this podcast because we really want people to have their questions answered about what we deal with as practice owners, uh, what I see as a veterinarian, um, and so it's been really fun, and we have a really good question today. I think you are going to talk a lot more than me because it's definitely more of a business oriented question, but I'm interested to hear what all you have to say. So for those of you that really want to know more about what it takes to run a practice uh, and what the business side of things looks like, this is definitely one of the episodes for you. But before we get into that, um, want to do a little bit of housekeeping. So I do travel for work and I speak and school's about to start, vet school, which means I'll be traveling more. Uh, how are you feeling about that?
1: I thought you meant school is about to start so our kids will be
0: not home home as much. (laughs) That also, that also. Our kids are about to start back in school and you work from home. Mm -hmm. That's one of the perks of being an entrepreneur. Actually, let me ask you, what are some tips that you want to give people who want to be a work from home person? How do you do it? Because I feel like you do a really good job of getting your work done. So how do you do that? How do you manage that?
1: I think you have to be disciplined a little bit, not necessarily get up, put a suit on, go sit behind your desk eight to five. But you have to understand what needs to be done right? and prioritize those activities. So I think everybody has to find their own way of doing that. I put everything on my phone and I basically have a checklist of things that I know need to be completed today. Um, and if I don't get to them, they get pushed to the next day, et cetera. So I basically sit up there and work off my phone and make sure I cover the activities that need to be done. And then a lot of things kind of fall um, or happen throughout the day that I have to, you know, mix into it. But basically, I have my checklist. I make sure that I complete on a daily basis.
0: I mean, when you say you put everything in your phone, you put like everything, everything in your phone. Yeah, if, if, if somebody
1: I, sends an email, says, "Hey, I need this done," then it goes to my phone. So I don't. Even if I do it right then, I still put it in my phone so I can show that I actually accomplished that for them. And
0: year. I, I can't share that calendar with you. It's overwhelming no. to me everything that's on your phone. But you do a good job of addressing what you can, and then you just. Move stuff over to the next day that you didn't address that day. So it's like a running to do list, which actually yeah. is really smart. But when I look at my calendar, it would overwhelm me to like see all those things. I also think it helps that our kids are at an age that they're a lot more independent. Uh, they can make their own food. It is limited in the nutritional value and and quality.
1: Corbin had cereal today for lunch, <laughs> but I was just in the middle of there. You go. It's summer something though. That- I couldn't stop. So
0: It's summer and we are kind of in survival mode. We have two more weeks and then, you know, they'll be back in school. We can get back in a little bit of a routine. Uh, But it's been a fun summer because I just think they're at an age that they're a little easier and we can go and run and do things a little bit um, more as a family. And that has been really, really nice. And I have not traveled as much as summer intentionally. And that also has been really good, I think, for us as a whole. So I would agree. My goal, and I'm just saying this on the podcast so like I can be held accountable, um, is I'm actually going to reduce the amount of trips I have this next year a little bit um, and be really intentional about what conferences I do attend, how long I'm there, um, and really try to make Quality
1: sure... Quality over quantity.
0: Quality over quantity. I love it. Uh, so I'm going to lean heavily into some of the conferences that I speak at a lot more, and I'm going to interact with people that I really need to business-wise, uh, and then try not to just attend conferences just because i really like to (laughs) and uh, i think that that's going to be good for me and for you i love to travel i'm one of those people that does not mind flying on airplanes sleeping in hotels uh but it did get a little tiring this last year i'll be honest and so we're going to try to to cut that down a little bit does that make you happy yes good so i put it out there in the world so now everyone (laughs) i have to hold hold you accountable hold me accountable to it yes so uh, you will be seeing me at some of the vet schools coming up. As I find out about them, I will be um, announcing it on here when I can. I know I'll be at uh, uh, Long Island. You know, no, not Long Island. Uh, Lincoln Memorial. Sorry. There's a lot of L vet schools. Lincoln Memorial coming up in Tennessee at the end of August. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm going to talk about communication Uh in the ER. And so that's something I really enjoy talking about. So if you guys are there at Lincoln Memorial, you can check me out. But are you ready to get into this question that I think we so. have? What is it? <laughs> so it's actually from one of our good friends uh, that we love uh, at Dr. Sydney DVM. She's amazing. She's an exotics veterinarian. You should follow her on social media. But she's looking to open a practice of her own uh, in California. So we've had a lot of discussions about like opening a practice. Man, she's it's tough. Real estate in California is really tough and so her finding a spot has been tricky, but she's really dedicated to it and really wants to like help out the exotic owners there and the idea of what she's going to do with her practice, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to really be awesome is there. But she had it's actually a multi-part question. I think we're just going to hit the first part um this time around because I feel like you're going to have a fair amount to say about this. So, Uh, They wanted us to have a discussion on running a successful practice with good profitability and still paying your staff a living wage and appropriate benefits. So I think that that is a good thing to discuss because it's honestly been something that we have discussed a lot. So do you want to start us off about just the philosophy that we have around like profitability and staff and benefits? You want to go first?
1: I can go first. So I think to start with, we know that you have to put together a really good team. And to put together a really good team is going to cost you. Yes. And you're going to have to add benefits, which we are actively in the middle of doing. Hmm. That is not a very fun process and it's a very expensive endeavor, but it's something that has to be done. If you can put together a good team and you can pay them well, and you can provide them with the benefits, profitability is probably going to follow that. How we measure profitability is really through our KPIs. I know we talked about KPIs at one point, maybe at a high level, but we kind of came up with 15 or so KPIs that we manage on a monthly, quarterly, semi-annual, annual annual basis. Uh, And that helps us kind of manage and look at the things we want to look at um, frequently.
0: Okay. So let's just back up for a minute. For people who are new to kind of the business side of veterinary medicine practice ownership, what is a KPI? What does that stand for? It's
1: a key performance indicator, basically. And
0: I did not know this when we started out. So I had to learn along the way also.
1: And I think it's a way to be intentional about managing data, right? So there's certain things that, that we want to look at through year one. This could be a moving target. It may change going into year two because there may be other things we need to concentrate on, but it allows us to be intentional with looking at data to understand what's going on within the four walls of our hospital.
0: Yes, because we have talked about this in the past. I have worked in a lot of practices, and I think you have bought a lot of businesses that people were working off the feeling that they were profitable, profitable um, because they could pay the bills and pay everyone. Um, but they didn't actually know where they sat based on like industry standards and what they were spending versus what they were making. And so to us, we wanted to make it a little more logical and black and white when we were looking at these things and not just emotional. Now on the emotional side of things, when we started this process, we had a lot of discussions about benefits because I said off the bat, it is hard to hire right now in veterinary medicine, and I already knew people I wanted to bring on board, and I knew those people needed health insurance and needed all the things that this practice wasn't already offering. And so looking at how could we be profitable enough that we could do all those benefits that really at this point should be standard in our industry, and they're not always, but also pay people I think, more than what the industry does. And so that's been a long conversation. We've owned it for a year and we are honestly just getting to instituting health insurance benefits. It has been a process, like you said, for two months uh, and very painful one. And I've learned a lot about health insurance, more than I actually want to know. Um, and we've had some people help us out that were really smart and great. Um, and there are so many options out there. We'll have to have a whole another podcast about that and how you can structure that as like a small business owner in veterinary medicine. But lucky to say we have worked something out and it has actually... Very excited. Allowed us to hire another veterinarian who will be coming on. Um, and we also hired another technician recently who's amazing. Uh, so growing our team, making it stronger skill set wise, which in turn has allowed us to make more money because we can see I don't think more we cases. realized
1: more money yet, <laughs> but we do anticipate that that's coming.
0: No, we have more people. So we've been able to say yes more. We've been able to sure. take more of those same day emergencies and, you know, see more surgeries. And so... I think it's going to make us more money, but I guess that will, we will see. The, K- the KPIs happens. will tell us. The KPIs will tell us, yes. So yes, we have monthly meetings, manager leadership meetings, where we look at the KPIs. Tell us where did you get your standards? So we look at percentages. Where yeah. did you get those from? Yes. Yeah,
1: so we started with kind of our list of things, right? And then um, we found that there are certain benchmarks that we can use. And that's better than me just saying, Hey, I think our cost of goods sold should be here, right? So there's definitely different benchmarks. Um Aha has different benchmarks. Um, Data Link, um, I think there's ABMA has some toolboxes, et cetera. So there's a there's definitely several places you can go to find these benchmarks. Ours may actually be a year or two old, but it still gives us a good idea of where we need to be and certain things that we need to shoot for.
0: Well, it lets us track our progress right yes. so if we have the same benchmarks that we use for a while Like over a year, we can see, okay, if this is what we're using, are we high? Are we low? Are we staying where we want to be? And then we can adjust as necessary. I also know we are a member of PSI and there's VMG, which are both big buying groups and help with business. And they also have actually services where you can send them stuff and they will help you look at all this data also, um, or they have benchmarks that they can share with you. So there is a lot of information out there if you really want to dial down and look at not just your gross and your net income and what expenses you have, but like really uh, suss out the different aspects of that and not just an overall picture.
1: Yeah. What you're trying to do is, is look for trends as well. So if we look at this on a monthly basis, it may not tell the full story because something may happen during that month. Right. But when you're looking at several months together, you know, a quarter semi-annual, you can start to see trends. You know, we noticed uh, as an example for our practice, cost of goods sold, the benchmark should be around 20 to 26%. We're running about 27%. Um, And we've known for several months that we've kind of trended on the higher level of the cost. Um, And that starts telling us a story. There's, There's two things that could contribute to that, right? Either one, we're not buying stuff cheap enough, or two, we're not selling stuff uh, expensive enough, right. right? So we feel like once we've done our research that our buying power is not as good as a, a large corporate organization, Yes, but we're still buying stuff at a fairly decent price. So that to me tells me there's areas where we need to look at potentially raising prices to get within the threshold where we need to be that will then push money down to the bottom line.
0: And I do think that it's important to maybe just do an overview of like the categories that we have chosen to yep. look at and the trends we've noticed with our practice. And so if you want to start with kind of just pretend we're in our meeting and uh, you're giving us the financial rundown and the I things usually that
1: we use a lot of profanity. in our
0: <laughs> No, I will say we always base the meeting around uh, food. And so feeding people when they have to talk about money is helpful. Um, Whether it's breakfast or lunch, that has been good. No alcohol is involved, just food.
1: (laughs) When we leave there, alcohol is definitely Yeah,
0: sometimes, sometimes.
1: So so what I do is, is I pull data out of our system, either our practice management system, our QuickBooks, that we house our financial data in, and I build out everything in a spreadsheet. There's probably better ways to do this, but this is how I do it. So one of the things that I look at, on a wait, 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 wait.
0: Can I just say you're really good with a spreadsheet? I like spreadsheets. Like, I, I don't want to not give you props
1: like for your skills. Ability.
0: Yeah, spreadsheet skills are strong, strong.
1: So what I do is I look at revenue, and I break the revenue down by uh, subcategories. So we look at our exam fees, um, in-house lab, external lab, surgeries, pharmacy, Uh, Etc. So we have basically a breakdown of all the different subcategories that make up our total revenue number. And I want to see kind of where we're driving our revenue from. Uh, The next thing we look at is basically revenue by provider. So um, on a per ticket basis, what are our veterinarians driving um, on a ticket? Uh, And I think that's important because it's going to tell a story. We're not looking for who's necessarily getting the most revenue. But if there's a large discrepancy between vet A and vet B, why is that? Right, right. Is somebody maybe doing too much, right, and, and stuff that maybe they don't need to do, or is the other vet maybe not doing enough or not asking the right questions? So that's just something we track and try to figure out. You know, what's the average per appointment yeah. dollar? Well, uh, and by would- technician or by veterinarian.
0: I will tell you, I think it's important to have a practice that is honest about that Mm -hmm. uh, because, one, also when you get newer veterinarians or younger veterinarians to the practice, it's nice to be able to say, you know, this is what our veterinarians that are kind of a part of the system and know the flow have been doing for a while. And for me, when I joined my last practice, I always knew what it was and knew, okay, I'm doing dental surgeries, appointments, the same thing they're all doing. So if mine is a little lower, what am I not getting compliance on from clients? What can I work on communicating a little bit better? Like your clientele overall is going to to kind of be trained to say yes to certain things. And so it helps you look and see compared to the other doctors, you know, what am I doing or not doing? Now, sometimes that number is going to be dramatically different because you might have someone who does more surgeries or does Mm -hmm. more drop offs and emergencies. And so that's why you don't always compare them apples to apples you have to kind of know what goes into that number but for me as a new younger veterinarian it's actually a really helpful tool to look and say okay am i the same close or am i higher and what is my goal going to be if i see these certain people earning this in this practice i should be able to do that too and so it was a helpful tool for me just growing in my communication skills overall
1: yeah i think a lot of that is communication like Mm -hmm. you said so some of the stuff that we look at is um, I talked about our cost of goods sold. I want to know the, um, what are we paying for product. Um, we take a look at um, our total payroll as a percent of our revenue. So we look at overall payroll and where it falls within benchmarks. And then we also look at our support staff pay and our uh, veterinary uh, pay. And again, we look at within benchmarks. We may find that our overall pay is low compared mm-hmm. to the industry. Uh, maybe our technician staff is getting paid higher than industry, but our veterinarians are getting paid less, right? So we want to make adjustments to both of those so that we're getting within the range where we need to be.
0: And that was something that uh, we did early on really helped us a lot um, because we did find that payroll was a lot more than the industry standard when it came to support staff. And so looking at, okay, who was getting paid what, what were they contributing to the practice? Um, Could we get more out of certain people? Were some people, I mean, honestly, some people were underpaid based on their skill set. And so could we look at those people and give them a bump? Um, but I do think that that was one of the biggest numbers in the beginning that shed a lot of light on the profitability of the practice. Because if you have people in the practice that are getting paid a very large salary and they are not contributing that amount, your practice is less profitable in general. And so um, that helped us make a lot of decisions really early on.
1: Yeah, and I'd also say that with our technical staff, we were able to look and say, okay, Let's build out models where the technicians fall um, within three or four categories, Mm -hmm. and if they hit certain benchmarks, they get bumped to another pay uh, bracket, if you will. So I think some of this data helped us figure out how can we pay technicians based on their skill set and make sure they're getting paid appropriately for that.
0: Well, and that transparency helps. Technicians understand when they come on board, where are they at, and really what do they need to do to be able to bump up to the next bracket. Um, And there's some people that you know contribute in other ways than just their technical skill set with management and with leadership type roles. And so it's not completely you know black and white always, but there's sure a lot of value in being able to show somebody this is our tier technicians, like and these are the ranges, and this is where you are, and this is where you can be these are the things you need to work on. Absolutely. And it takes away that feeling of I've known this person forever. I just need to pay them more. Right? right. You can actually have something very tangible and they can, too, to see where everyone is and kind of have goals based around that.
1: Yep. Um, one of the things we look at is rent. This is probably one that will fall off going into year two. Uh, mainly because we put this in here initially. We own the real estate. Right, uh, The real estate's held in a separate entity. We so we basically pay a rent to the this, this separate entity. Right. We need to figure out what is a realistic rent that we should be paying. Right, What is the industry standard that should be paying in rent uh, today? We've got that narrowed down. That's not going to really change. Uh, so we'll probably quit looking at that going into year two. And that's just when we can pull off our list. Uh, we look at gross margin. Um, and where it should fall within benchmarks. Uh, we look at our net income. So the dollar that falls to the bottom line, uh, where does that fall within you know certain benchmark ranges? Uh, we also look at a break-even point. So we break it down to a daily break-even so that we know if we do X for the day, we're going to at least pay our bills. right? right? So break-even is important for us to kind of monitor. So we know what our break-even is on a monthly basis. Uh, we know how much we make per day on a monthly basis. And then we also look at what is the break even with a return on investment. So we use a 20% return on investment,
0: which is a standard,
1: which is standard for for owning a business. Yeah. And if you want to look at, and it's probably a little bit low, to be honest with you, because you're taking more risk inside of a business. But the thought would be, if I'm investing money into this business, I want to make sure I'm getting a return on my investment. Right. So we're looking at what is that break even on a daily basis with a 20% ROI where does that fall uh, on a daily basis for us?
0: And we are uh, also looking at what we would pay, obviously, what we're pairing our veterinarians now, but what we would pay me if I was getting paid. <laughs> yes. So we're calculating that in, even though I don't technically take a salary at this point. Yeah, right. And
1: that's, that's a good point. So right now what we're trying to do is put a lot of money back into the practice, yes. upgrading the equipment. Upgrading the uh, technology, upgrading mm-hmm. the building, um, and we're able to do that based off of your, you know, skin equity, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so the days that you work, the revenue that you drive, we we uh, measure that in our our economic data points, our spreadsheets, but we're not actually pulling that money out of here.
0: Well, and it also helps us too. We want to calculate that because when we're looking at bringing on another veterinarian. Do we have the work for them? Can we afford to pay them? And so um, we do because we're busy. And that is one number you didn't mention, but we look at how many new clients.
1: Yeah, I was, I was going to go into some of the non-revenue uh, data points. And one of those is new clients. Um, so I think the industry standard are, are kind of the, the goal that you shoot for is 20 new clients a month. Um, we're blowing through that. Yeah. I think we're running 50 new clients a month uh, yeah. on average. Uh, But that is something we look at. We also look at our uh, Google reviews. So we want to know how many four star plus Google reviews are we getting on a monthly basis,
0: which you've been doing an amazing job at that
1: great job. And I think a lot of that is just asking the question, hey, you know, we really enjoy you being here today. If you enjoyed your service. If you could go online and give us a positive review, we'd
0: really appreciate it. Well, and then the other thing you did is you actually – we added QR codes kind of around the hospital and then also to the bottom of invoices. And so when that's printed, people can just do the QR codes straight to Google reviews, which is really, really helpful also. So it's been fun, and I actually – we got so many recently that I was like – the team – is amazing. I always send them to everybody and like show them the shout outs. Um, but we ended up getting like gift cards for everybody and just taking them up there and asking them to pick one because um I really appreciate them working so hard. It's been a really busy couple of weeks and uh they have done a really good job. And we've actually had some people take vacations during that time. So uh running on a tight team but still, you know, everyone working the best that they can. So I think it's important to look at those parameters because being able to tell your team, we saw all these people and we got this many Google reviews, again, adds to culture and adds to understanding and uh, shows your appreciation for what they're doing.
1: And, And I think there's a direct correlation between positive Google reviews and net new customers. Yes. Especially with the environment we're in today. I mean, a lot of people, the first thing they do is go to Google, search for veterinary hospitals around their house, and then sort by you know, who's got the best reviews. Absolutely. So even though we're not actively marketing the business today, we're driving a lot of those new clients from positive Google reviews or, you know, the Facebook um, neighborhood groups, et cetera. So just having that presence and make sure we're monitoring that and understanding where we're at with it, I think is important for our growth as well.
0: So based on the question – like, how do we measure profitability and also still pay people and make sure we you know can pay ourselves? We are kind of in a sweet spot, uh, we'll be honest, because we don't have to pay ourselves a lot out of this business right now at this time, um, because I still have a full-time emergency job, which I love, uh, and you have other businesses and sources of income. And so we're really able to give back. To the practice uh, a lot, but if we did have to pay me, we would still be profitable, uh, which has been great, and we are growing so much that we can continue to see more patients, and that will also help us grow. Yeah,
1: and and there's certain just industry standards that we know kind of exist in the market. As an example, veterinarians should probably make twenty to twenty-two percent of their gross revenues, right? right? So the revenue they drive of the practice. Um, they should be getting paid somewhere between twenty and twenty-two percent in theory. Um, it's
0: actually twenty-five percent if you're in emergency. We're gonna but use yes.
1: we're gonna use some different ratios <laughs> for our hospital. Um, so with that being said, if you're the owner of the practice as a veterinarian, you should be able to drop twenty to twenty-two percent of, um your revenues down to a, as a salary. Right. Uh, you should be able to pay yourself an administrative fee of probably 2% or so for you managing and hiring and firing and doing all that that piece of it. And then your practice should still drop, you know, 10% or so uh, to the bottom line. This should be profitable dollars for the owner of the business. So just using basic understanding of where the funds should fall right. gives a lot of people an idea of what they should make as an owner for practice. And then if you can use benchmarks and make sure that you're within range um, and maybe to the to the better side of these ranges, right? then that's just going to make you more profitable practice.
0: But the important thing is not just to feel profitable or feel like you're doing well, it's to actually look at it and then see like maybe you are doing well, but maybe you can decrease your cost of goods by buying a different way and you can actually increase your profitability or maybe because you're doing so well you maybe aren't paying your team as yeah, I mean, much and you can increase your salaries. Yeah,
1: I mean, we looked at that several months ago that our revenue was going up at a certain uh, rate. And when we look at our percentage of um, pay to our staff, we were at the lower end of that. Um, and what that meant to us was we need to hire or increase pay. Right. What we, what we decided to do is hire because we don't want to burn people out by overworking them, right? So when you look at staff ratios as a percent of your your revenue, you should have a good idea of what kind of staff you need. And we were ready to staff up so that as that revenue increases, we're making sure that we are not burning anybody out. Well, and so. we
0: at that time decided to hire, but we had already increased pay mm-hmm. initially when we bought. And then as we've given people like, extra duties or people have grown their skill set. So we still, based on the ability to hire, are actually paying well for the industry, which makes me really, really happy. But I do think the added benefits is going to be helpful moving forward. And then we're going to have to look at what are we spending on those benefits and how does that go into the pay structure that we have. Um, But I'm excited about adding more of that because I just think, this day and age you have to, to get the cream of the crop, the really good veterinarians and technical staff.
1: It's an expense you're going to have to swallow out of the gate. Um, And a lot of time, I mean, when you paper it out, you may not be able to actually afford it for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the hope would be that you do get better staff over time and that staff is going to um, allow you to handle more revenue. So um, that's the overall hope.
0: Well, and that's our plan. We'll see (laughs) – How it works out, best laid plans. But so far, one, our team has continued to grow and we've found some really exceptional people who I think – Enjoy each other and then also really enjoy what we're doing. And we have been busy, which is great. And we have not marketed at all. So, uh, probably need to do a podcast in the future with marketing ideas and things that you can do as a practice because that's kind of the next step. And the great thing is to bring another vet on board is going to give me more of the freedom to do some of those things that I have to do and those ideas I have, which are really hard to do when you're the veterinarian of a practice. So, for people who honestly, own a practice by themselves as the vet, don't have, you know, a husband who can help or can't afford to hire people that are help and, and skillful. I honestly don't know how they do it. And I can see why so many of them burn out and don't, are not able to do it well yeah, because I it's would, really hard.
1: I would strongly encourage that owner to make sure they have a, a CPA or an advisor that would give them this data on a monthly basis. Yeah. So sit down and discuss what are, some, what are some areas that we need to make sure that we're looking at and not just getting that P&L or not just getting that balance sheet and just glancing at it without right. real knowledge of what they're looking at. So put that into some type of format around some benchmarks so you can see where do I fall within the top 20% of the, the veterinary hospitals in the U.S.? Right. Um, am I doing well? You know, maybe I'm making money. Maybe I'm just barely paying the bills. But but what are some of the areas that you can really concentrate on? Those levers that you can pull to increase profitability over time. Um, and I think a lot of veterinarians, if they don't have that in you know, a format where they can see it against benchmarks, I'm not real sure how they manage the practice. To be I, honest.
0: I agree because I feel like there's actually days where I'm like, did we make money today? And then there's days where. You know, I'm like, we did awesome. And then when I actually look at the numbers, I'm like, oh, like we saw a lot, but we didn't actually, you know, make that much. And so if you just go off a gut and feeling in this industry, I really think that's where you can kind of go off in the wrong direction when you're making real business decisions that ultimately affect everyone that, you know, relies on you to pay Um, so having people that are really knowledgeable and can really dig into the numbers more is really, really important. And there's even more subcategories you can really get into as your business grows and you get more data. We're only a year in. And so we're kind of, we were looking at bigger overviews.
1: Ours are very basic at this point. I mean, what we're looking at is, um, making sure there's no, you know, low hanging fruit that we can grab, Mm -hmm. you know, real quick or, or any potential cancers that we need to, that we need to take care of immediately. Right. Um, going into year two, year three, et cetera, these will start getting drilled in, you know, especially around your lab fees. Yes. You know, what you're paying in and, and, um, lab, you know, I, that's a mystery for the most part. So some of those, I think we're going to be able to dig into and really get a better understanding uh, going forward.
0: But these are good kind of basic KPIs that everyone probably should be looking at, at least on a quarterly basis, if not a monthly basis, and really helping them make, financial decisions to increase profitability in their practice. So,
1: And, and not to nerd out, which I can do on oh, this gosh. stuff. I was you worried know, we, you might. There, there's really <laughs> no interface between your practice management software and your financial software, which we use EasyVet and we use QuickBooks. So you have to manually move that stuff over on a monthly, daily, however you want to do it basis. Um, and there's certain what they call chart of accounts. I think AHA has a chart of accounts that, that they use as their standard. Um, we bring over basically two categories um, into QuickBooks today. That's something we could very easily expand mm-hmm. and be able to see much more real time into all these subcategories. Right now, we pull that out of our practice management system, but that's not loaded into our financial system. Right. So there's some things that we're going to do going forward that's going to help have more visibility. But out of the gate, it's hey, let's get everything on paper so we understand what we're doing, and then move forward from there.
0: It has certainly been an education for me, the business side of things and just how to make these decisions and how to look at it in a way that makes sense. Because uh, I definitely can see the emotional side of things sometimes when you're trying to make decisions, whether it's staffing or price changes uh, or renovation cost. And when you can really look at the numbers and you know your goals, it, it makes a huge difference and it's helpful.
1: But, but I will say the emotional side of things is very important too. As an example, you know emotionally, we've got to put benefits in play to get the right staff. Right. On paper, that doesn't work. Right. Benefits on paper, when you start, you know, papering it out is not a good, it's not a good sign. So sometimes the paper is going to help you uh, to a certain extent, but at some point instinct has to kick in, right? And I think that's where we follow your gut with some stuff like, hey, this on paper doesn't make sense. Right. A renovation may not make sense. Right. Um, but sometimes you have to go with your gut and then figure it out from there as well.
0: Well, I appreciate you trusting my gut and my vision. So far, it's served us well. And I appreciate your logical number crunching and spreadsheets. So we're a pretty good team. I think so. All right. So that is the basic overview of KPIs, key performance indicators. I have learned a lot. I continue to learn about all that. I appreciate all your knowledge you shared with us today. If you guys have any additional questions about any of that or want us to go more in depth on it, make sure to check us out at Questions with Crocker on TikTok, Instagram, all of them. Don't DM Shane. He'll never see it. Uh, And you also can listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Keep those reviews coming in. We appreciate it. it is on youtube you can watch us if you prefer it that way i listen to podcasts when i'm driving so i never watch anything but uh, we appreciate y'all's support and let us know if you have any future questions thanks so much for listening and have a great day